Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the RouterFlex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. On today's episode of the Riderflex podcast, we have guest Mark Killens from Drift on the show. Drift is the conversational marketing platform that combines chat, email, video, and automation to remove the friction from business buying. Mark Killens on the Riderflex podcast. How you doing, Mark? I am doing well. How you doing, Steve? Hanging in there, considering we're uh, recording this on March 31st of 2020, which is a crazy time for us right now, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, March typically is a pretty long month for me, at least. But, you know, this time could have been, you know, a quarter. <laughs> right. I mean, for the listeners, if you happen to be listening to this six months from now, it's right in the middle of the coronavirus. The world is somewhat at a standstill and most of us working from home. I hope we don't have too many uh, internet uh, problems here or lags because the entire planet is trying to dial in on Zoom or video conferences today, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I appreciate you being on the RiderFlex podcast. Thank you so much. Um, looks like you got an interesting career plus drift. I uh, want to hear all about that as well. Um, but before we get into Drift, just give the listeners a little uh, personal background. Tell them about Mark. Like, you know, where's he from? Uh, you know, tell us about uh, growing up a little bit, maybe some parents stuff, where you went to school. Yeah, I grew up in New Hampshire. I graduated college the year of the um, Great Recession, 2007. Ooh, Ooh fun. <laughs> so... Uh, it's, it's kind of like what's going on now, but obviously different. Uh, so I got my first job in Jan 2008, which was, I think, a month before they announced that the country was in an official recession. 10-person company, uh, just trying to survive during the, the Great Recession. It sold... Um, sales intelligence type products and services to companies selling into the Fortune 1000, Fortune 2000 uh, size businesses, um, you know, selling technology, both hardware, software, and services. Uh, so we sold all this research and the company was actually doing pretty well thanks to, you know, a couple different things. One thing being inbound marketing. Um, so that's how I got into to marketing. I can, I can talk about that. But like personally, I, I grew up in New Hampshire, went to the University of New Hampshire. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of um, three kids. Parents are kind of from Chicago. Uh, so, you know, love the, love the coast, love New England. So I've got to be by water. And uh, I actually just had my, uh, my wife and I had our first uh, baby just about over a month ago. Oh wow! Congratulations. Thank you. Thank wow! You. Brand new, brand new dad. Girl or boy? Uh, a boy, uh, Theodore. 
Very nice. Congratulations. All right. Wow. You can tell him with the year he was born, it was crazy. The, the month he was born, it was like wild. <laughs> right before everything hit. I mean, it was kind of happening as he was being born, but then, you know, a couple of weeks later it all came out. So yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a story that, uh, you know, you get to live with for a long time. Okay. Your folks, by the way, what, what did they do for a living? So my dad actually just retired. Uh, he worked with the government department of department of justice for over 40 years. Wow. All right. All right. <laughs> putting like putting bad guys in prison or what, what did he do? Actually, you know what? Uh, I, I misspoke. It was not the department of justice. It was the department of labor. I don't know why oh. I said department of justice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Department of labor, 40 something years. And then your mom, was she stay at home raising uh, the three kids? She was a, um, she's basically been a teacher her whole life, but she did stay at home um, for the majority of the years once my brother was born. Uh, but now once we went, you know, out of the house, we all went to college. Um, she is now still a teacher, a special education teacher. Uh, okay. Now, were you, were you a problem child? Were you, were, were you the good kid? Were you the, were you the good son? Or where were you in the mix of, the, uh, of your siblings there? I'd say I typically was more good than bad. Yeah. I mean, we were all pretty well behaved. Um, I was very uh, creative, probably why I'm in marketing and did not end up going down this engineering path that I went to school for, uh, pivoted out of engineering because I just wasn't creative enough, wasn't interesting enough for me. But uh, yeah, always, you know, doing stuff. We, we grew up kind of um, in the woods, small town. Uh, you know, I, I went to high school with uh, a very small class, 69 people uh, graduated with me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty small. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. And the University of New Hampshire is, not, is also not gigantic, right? I mean, I, I can't remember what number of students they have at any given time, but. It's not huge, but it's actually pretty big for, for a college, for a state school. I want to say it's, it's getting close all in to like 10,000. Okay. All right. So, so you were going to be an engineer when you first went to school. Is that, was that the original plan? And then you drifted towards uh, marketing? Yeah. Drifted towards marketing, drifted towards drift. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Tell us about your, tell us about your early career before you get, you know, before drift, talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of the stuff you did early on sales quest and HubSpot. Go ahead. Yeah. Sales quest was the small company I joined in again, 2008, the, right in the beginning of 2008, great recession. We were just trying to keep the business going. Um, I was just trying to get experience, trying to you know make some yeah. money. Um, and I started out as a research analyst doing the actual, you know, research for the product that we sold, which were the, these research reports and, and this information that uh, marketers and, and salespeople selling technology into these big companies would use. So then the company was actually doing pretty well. And the CEO, Ryan, is like, hey, who wants to do marketing? We can do more if we just put some marketing stuff you know, behind what we're doing. And I'm like, I'll do marketing. I want to I wanna, you know, keep growing. So you, know, you do a ton of different things when you're a small business. Right. And I went to Google, like most of us do, and I typed in how to generate more leads. And guess what <laughs> came up? <laughs> that's so great okay good that's a good one all right wow so yeah we uh we became sales quest the company at the time that i was working for became one of hubspot's first 1000 customers i see okay and how big was sales quest at the time how many employees when you were there man when i joined it was like 
10, maybe just under 10. And when I left about a year, about two years later, it was, it was double, maybe over double. So it was good. It was growing. Okay. But you, uh, let me guess, you established relationships at HubSpot. They knew you, you knew them. And somebody over there was like, Hey man, come, come over here with us. Talk to us. Yeah, that I kind happen? of initiated it. I kind of wanted to, you know, I have big plans, you know, long, long term. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty, again, like I said, creative. I, I have big ideas and I thought HubSpot would be an amazing thing, amazing company to join and inbound marketing. But what I saw firsthand in just six months, we like doubled our revenue, tripled our leads thanks to just using the inbound methodology and, and, and using the HubSpot software. Um, I'm like, I got to go to HubSpot. This company's on fire. It's a huge category. I believe in it. And I think I can learn a ton and help a ton of people out at the same time. Gotcha. All right. So you tapped into some of your relationships there to get an initial conversation going to join them, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, I actually went to the one of the first ever HubSpot user groups, they're called Hugs. Oh. And uh, it was in it was in like just outside of Boston in Western Massachusetts, not really Western central Massachusetts, and uh, met a HubSpot HubSpotter HubSpot employee at that user group. And then a couple months later, joined the company. Gotcha. Now, when you joined them in 2010, I think it was how many employees? Were, how big were they then? I can't remember. Just under 150. I was like the hundred. Uh, I was the 140th employee, I believe. Wow. What do they have now? Over 3,000. Yeah, I left and it was just under 3,000 employees. Did you get in early enough for uh, equity at all? Like, did you get a little piece there or no? <laughs> yeah, I, I got a little bit. Yeah, it was. I was basically four years pre pre IPO and then about four and a half years after IPO. How about that? Okay. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you were a huge part. You were there for what? Almost nine years, right? Close to it. Yeah. I mean, that's a big, I mean, that's a major accomplishment. You helped them grow that much and you got promoted there several times. Um, congratulations. Nice run at HubSpot. Um, Thank you. Why, why'd you leave? Three reasons. Uh, one is I accomplished almost everything I wanted to accomplish at HubSpot. Um, okay. So, you know, it, it just, for, for me and for what, what I think the people who I, you know, the people I was leading, the people I was managing, um, it was their time to step up. They were ready. Um, and, you know, I accomplished, like I said, almost everything. Two, um, I w had the honor and privilege of helping, you know, Brian and Darmesh, the two co-founders and, and the whole company build and, and grow this inbound um, category, inbound marketing. And I, I saw what Drift was doing with conversational marketing and, and knew the two co-founders pretty well. And to me, I actually think conversational marketing can, can become a bigger category than even inbound marketing. And, and maybe we talked about that, but mm -hmm. I saw there was a huge opportunity to, to help the marketing uh, world um, understand this huge new movement and shift. Um, I'm not saying inbound marketing is something you shouldn't do or use. You should use both, especially if, actually if you're a recruiter, you need to use both in my, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a big reason. And uh, number three, for me personally, it was about like learning. Like, I wanted to learn more and more. And I thought I could learn more now at, at Drift than I could maybe at HubSpot. Uh, just because just I'm a guy that loves to be creative, loves to learn. And if I don't, um, have those opportunities. I get someone impatient and I, I don't want to settle. One of my personal mottos is never settle. Good. So for me, it was just the right time. And um, was it, was it a bigger responsibility, like reporting directly to the co-founders at Drift? Um, did it, did it carry more weight that position that you're in now? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I would say definitely it's, it's, it's a larger position. Um, okay. Until we hired our, our CMO now, Trisha Gelman, who's amazing. She comes from Salesforce, Adobe, Apple. She's worked with huge names like Mark Benioff, uh, even Steve Jobs, the Adobe co-founders. She's okay. my boss now. She manages the marketing team. I, I, was, I was able to work with David Cancel um, directly uh, for almost a year. And, and that was amazing. But yeah, my, my ownership of what I do at drift now spans all of the content we, we produce and create across the entire company, across the entire customer lifecycle and experience. I, I run all the community stuff. So social, um, our events. So hyper growth, uh, which is our big in-person event. We do a couple times a year, um, drift insider, which is our free, uh, membership and learning community that anyone can sign up for for free um it's almost it's over twenty two thousand members in just about a year wow um All yeah right. it's crazy huge and then i do uh we actually just made a switch which is interesting from a recruiting standpoint learning and development is, is so important to organizations any organization mm -hmm. you know it's, it can be used as a recruiting you know tool a core benefit to why you would join the company um and now learning and development um, is actually underneath my leadership. So I have like these three core functions and, uh, we can talk a lot more about that if you'd like, but Please. I'd say, uh, my, my responsibilities definitely have grown a lot, which is something that I really appreciate and, you know, was, was looking to do. That's great. Well, congratulations on the career so far, the promotions and the move over to drift. Sounds like it was all a great move for you. For the folks that have no idea what you mean when you say conversational marketing, let's just assume there's some listeners that are like, oh, what does he mean by that? You know, sure. walk us into, I guess, how about this? How about an, a nice overview of Drift overall and then speak specifically about conversational marketing? Go ahead. Sure. So, I mean, conversational marketing is this category we created um, almost five years ago now. And really the, the overall mission of it is to fundamentally change, transform, if you will, how a business will you know, buy from another business. Uh, so changing B2B buying. And at its core, it's about connecting people together um, faster and with less friction. Uh, and there's a few reasons why this is so, so important. Okay. Um, number one, we have shifted um, as a population from an era where the companies, like businesses, had all of the control. They were able to control basically everything. And that now has changed thanks to the last 25, 30 years of the rise of the internet. Okay. Uh, the, the power has shifted. And that power has shifted now to the customer, the consumer, where we now have unlimited information. We have unlimited options of what to buy, where to buy it, how to buy it. And we have these, these ever growing and changing expectations because we have so much power these days. Um, and because in our, in our lives, we um, can get anything we want, an answer, a product, an outcome yep. Yep. pretty quickly that when you think about it from like a business buying from another business or a person working in a business looking to buy from another business, that hasn't changed, right? B2C has changed fundamentally, but B2B hasn't changed. Mm. So we're saying businesses who are selling to other businesses need to change and they need to use conversational marketing to do that 
and they need to, to use messaging, really like chat, as the core tool to, to do that and integrate that tool and the strategy of conversational marketing, that philosophy that we can talk more about into doing that. So it's just like a recruiter trying to get in touch with a candidate. If a candidate's coming to your website and they're checking you out to see if they want to be, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe apply or be employed, mm-hmm. would, would you want any friction blocking you from the two of you connecting from no, that not- candidate? You know what well, I mean? Well, Talking yeah, to yeah. And I sure and I sure as hell wouldn't want any friction between me and a potential client looking at the website, right? Like a company looking exactly. at the website to, to maybe hire Ryder Flex. I definitely don't want friction. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're, you're you're helping companies to hire people, right? You want to make sure that your store, because like in the, in the in the world now, especially now because of the you know COVID nineteen and everything going on, there is mm-hmm. now an acceleration from the industrial physical world to what I think of as like the knowledge mm-hmm. digital world. I, to- I totally agree. So your, your store is your website mm-hmm. and it's the most important marketing asset you have. And if you don't make it easy for someone to have a conversation with you or mm. to get what they're looking for, to get to their like thing that they need in the moment um, and capture their interest and intent in a simple, easy way for them, uh, you're missing out on, on revenue. And how do you guys do that? Walk us through how you do that. Yeah, so we, we built, so one of the things that I did when I joined um, is, is we built uh, a blueprint and a framework to help businesses. Okay. So it's, it's, it's pretty simple, actually. Um, the first thing I'll say is, is conversational marketing is this philosophy around making the experience of buying something um, more authentic, you know, more personalized, uh, more human centric than, than ever before. Um, you know, taking what makes us as humans, um, what we use in our everyday lives, I should say, okay. uh, and, and using that as part of the buying and customer experience. So that's our philosophy around it. So how do you actually bring that philosophy to life? We think of it as these five uh, W's. So we can, we can stop at each W, but the first W is, and actually, Steve, I'll give you a sneak peek and your listeners a, a sneak peek. We're actually updating Great. this blueprint. So Great. let me give you the new blueprint. Great. We're in the process of updating it. It starts with who, like who's coming to your website? Like what types of businesses, but yeah. the people at those businesses. Um, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's also people looking for employment. Um, right. Maybe it's a decision maker. Maybe it's someone who's like more of an influencer in the buying process. Uh, maybe it's a CEO. So who's coming to the website? And you got to think about like as a marketer, then as a business owner, you know, how am I getting those people to the website? So uh, you know, is, what campaigns am I running? What programs am I running to attract this these people to the website? So the first thing you got to look at is the who. The second thing is where are they coming from? Are they coming from a paid ad? Are they coming from Google, a Google search? Are they coming from an email marketing campaign? Where are these people coming from? Then, which are the channels, which are your, your channels. And you can also think about where are they in their stage of their, of their buying purchase? 
are they at the top of the funnel, middle, bottom, right? Kind of breaking that down. So, so we're, we're basically taking all of the things that a marketer should be thinking about and using this one central thing, the central blueprint to help you have more conversations and make the buying experience uh, more enjoyable. How but do you figure you out who and the yeah, where I'll stop yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I'll stop there. After you put the who and the where, there's, there's a few more things that come through it, but like, wh what's your take on the who and the where? <clears throat> well, I'm, my, my question is, how are you figuring that out? I mean, if you could tell me, if I had a tool that said, hey, Steve, um, you know, a thousand people hit the website today. And by the way, five of them were CEOs looking for a potential firm to help them, help them with recruiting. And here's their contact information. <laughs> I'm ready to hire Drift right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a few ways you figure out the who, um, one is you don't, you actually don't know who's coming to your website because you, right. you don't have access to that person's information. So you're going to, you're going to use conversational marketing to find out number one, number okay. two, you use services like, um, six cents zoom info, which are all fully part of the drift product, which is, um, intent based services, right? You know, um, Basically, you're, you're able to understand through um, data that these companies provide, you know, who's coming to the site uh, based off of demographic, firmographic information, okay. um, things like that. You know what I mean? Google, Google <laughs> Analytics, Google Analytics won't, won't tell you this? Um, if, if you already know who they are, um, yeah. Yes, but if you use something, for example, like, um, you know, Clarebit, Reveal, um, so, something like that, where you're, you're taking um, IP information, IP address information, and you're using it to understand um, who's coming to your website. So, like, what company's coming to your website, who from that company is coming to that website, um, that's going to then help you understand um, from a, like a firmographic standpoint, the right business is coming to my website. Oh, oh, these businesses are coming to my website. Great. Now that I know them, they're coming to the website, I can personalize going back to that philosophy of conversational marketing, that experience a bit more. Mm. So that's the second one. The mm. third layer of the who is like you integrate your, your Google analytics, your marketing automation platform, your CRM with say the conversational marketing platform that is drift. And you can use that data you already have and you already know these people who they are and use it to personalize the experience and make it more authentic for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, so I get a clearer picture on who's visiting and why and, and where they might be from. And then how am I having these quote conversations? Is that, do I have like Sally on the other end of the, you know, the chat screen typing in messages to Mary? How does that work? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good question. So, and I and I know about. I mean, I kind of know what chatbots are and stuff like that. But go ahead for the listeners. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, all right, who's uh, who's coming to my website? You get that. Uh, you, you know where they're coming from. Like, say, right. say, let's use a real example. So I have a, um, I have a a segment of my uh, database. Okay. They're my say target account list. Like you know, they I know these businesses. They're they're part of my ideal customer profile. They're coming to my website. Um, they're coming to my website from a paid ad, um, set of campaigns I'm okay. running. That's where okay. they're coming from. All right. Now it's about what page are they landing on? Yep. So what page are they landing on and what's the content and offer on that page? 
And that's where the, the connection, the relationship building can start to take place using a tool like a chat thought or live chat. And okay. you can greet those people, engage with them in a way that's very personalized. You can say, Hey, uh, give me, give me an example of a client of yours. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's say American auto shield, they sell, uh, in, or they service insurance warranties. Um, so maybe the, maybe the CEO visits our website. Perfect. So maybe you, you just say, Hey, American auto shield. Thanks for visiting our website. Thanks for coming over from Google. How can I help you today? And you actually show them a couple of options. You don't make it like a blank thing, but you say like, Hey, I'm looking for more information. I like to talk to customer service, you know, like you make it contextual to that person. Like, Oh wow. Okay. That's my business. I just came from Google. Well, okay. That's awesome. And I actually have a question about this thing. And, and then that, that experience on that particular page will then start to help you understand why they're coming to your website at this particular moment, which is the fourth W after the mm -hmm. what, and it's going to help you understand how to get them to what they're looking for or what they need in that moment, which is ultimately like the recommendation we're trying to get someone to. So I you see. engage with them, you understand a bit more about why they're visiting, and then you recommend to them the best possible thing for them at that moment. So can I take a pause right there? Let me, let me say back to you what I think I'm hearing. So yeah. is this real time, by the way? So somebody hits the website, like a, an executive from American Auto Shield, boom, there's a, there's a, there's maybe a early on, maybe there's a chat bot response that does a couple of little things, but then it goes to a human being that then can have a conversation with them through live chat. And then, and then now they're building this rapport and starting to, is that, am I hearing that right? You, you nailed it. And if say okay. a human is not online, say, you know, we sleep, we go on vacation, whatever, two right. things can happen. At least two things. One is that visitor can leave a message. Uh -huh. Two, yeah. they could book a meeting with someone. Okay. Right. And, and um, three, I mean, say that particular human who doesn't own that account isn't online. For a, for a drift, what we have is um, we have a team called conversational development reps. Okay. And they are watching people who are coming to the website. And if they notice someone coming to the website who's visiting a couple times, visiting a high intent page, like the pricing page, uh -huh. um, it's, a, it's a key account, they're going to type in to that person and that person will see it go from a chatbot to a human ah. and they can start engaging right away. <laughs> I see. Okay. I like, okay, good, good, good. Yep. I think I get it now. All right. Very good. Now I, my, my, as you're telling me about all this, I'm thinking, okay, all this sounds great, but then my reaction is so HubSpot and Salesforce and all these guys, they're not, they're not doing this already. Is this like super secret patented special stuff that only you guys can do or walk me through that? Yeah. So, so we're like the best in class conversational marketing tool. Okay. Right. Like we built the category. All we do is build products and solutions for conversational marketing and conversational sales. So we have like three products. We have chat, which are chatbots and live chat. We have a video product that's integrated that has chat integrated into it. So that's a free video product, which is actually very timely for people to use because you can use drift video, record videos, send them via email, send them via um, even messaging. So, so, that, so, so how's that different from that bomb bomb uh, thing that we're using? What, what's, the, what's the difference or is it similar? Go ahead. It's definitely similar. What we've done though is taken the chat and messaging experience and integrated, integrated that into the video experience. Okay. So okay. you're watching the video 
And then on one side of the video, you see a messaging chat show itself. And you could actually chat live with that person who sent you the video or book a meeting with them. Wow. Okay. Ooh, I like that. All right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's very good. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. So that's so second product. <laughs> and then the third one is like, is, is, is email. But to answer your question about like why, why Drift versus HubSpot and Salesforce, right. those are great platforms that have a lot of different tools, but they're not very deep in the tools I'm just mentioning to you, right? Okay. They have a ton of tools and they have a ton of great you know, extensions to their platform. And at the end of the day, they're mostly CRMs. Right. You know, Drift isn't a CRM. Drift is a conversational marketing platform that helps you take your CRM like HubSpot or Salesforce, connect it into Drift and actually bring you closer to the buyer. Um, if, you, if you think about it, your website's the front line, Drift sits on your website and then your CRM is more like back office. And so Drift is the tool you should be using right in line with your website to, to connect to those buyers and customers right away. I've, okay, great. Great overview. So is like Salesforce a customer for you? Do you sell it as like a add-on or a plug-in for Salesforce and HubSpot or you don't sell, sell to those guys? How does that work? So yeah, we have um, a lot of people, a lot of our customers use those tools. We don't sell through them. Um, you know, we have our own, own direct sales channel, you know, and, and we sell mostly to companies that are, you know, a hundred employees or bigger, you know, 500,000, 10,000 size businesses, mid market into like enterprise size businesses. Um, because at the end of the day, the sales teams are the ones that are going to start to use drift more and more marketing. Basically, I think of it like this, Steve marketing starts the conversations with drift sales has yep. the conversations with drift. Got it. Got it. Well, what about all those small business people out there that are less than a hundred employees? Can you, can you design a, can you design a, a model or a price that, that, that fits them? Yeah, it's free. Drift is free. Oh, oh, it is. Well, you didn't yeah. Okay. You, you, you forgot to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> we have a free product that you can use right away. If you don't want to start to get into the more sophisticated stuff. What? Okay. All right. Of course, I'm assuming it's, I'm, I'm assuming it's the bare bones. And if you want the fancy stuff, you got to start paying a little bit, but can you pay? Is there different versions of stuff? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's different versions. Yeah. We have four different plans. Oh yeah. It starts at even at like 50 bucks a month. Wow. Okay. I'll definitely have my partner who leads sales, uh, you know, look into it right away. Okay. Very good. Because you're right. You know, we spend a lot of time on our website at Riderflex, um, and we spend a lot of time on our social media. I would like to do a better job of capturing information coming in and having conversations with those people. And, you know, just like you talked about, okay, very good. Glad you, glad you uh, clarified the fact that there is a free version to try it. So, okay, excellent. How big is Drift now? How many employees? Uh, 350. All right. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Based in uh, Boston? Based in Boston. We've got an office in San Francisco, Seattle, and Tampa. Okay. Well, congratulations. It sounds like it's fun and I can feel the, the passion coming off of you. you de you're definitely passionate about the product. Like it's not, it's not fake by any means. Like you can tell you're, you're, you're all in. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I mean, I have my, my accountant, my, my accountant tax guy, uh, small business, right? Five people. He uses drift free in one month of him setting that up. It was at the beginning of 2019, uh, in the beginning of the tax season, he got five meetings in one month. What? Okay. All right. Very, very good. All right. Now it's only getting you know, 500,000 people a month, maybe visiting it. Okay. Now if we go on, uh, now that we've done the podcast interview, if we go on to the website and by the way, for the listeners, just so you know, we're all on the same page, it is drift.com. 
if they go to drift.com, I'm guessing there's a see a demo, sign up for free version. They just walk through the website, right? Oh yeah. T top, top right-hand corner of the website, right in the navigation. You can see both of those calls to action. Oh, look at this. Oh, I'm looking at the website right here. The chat box is actually saying, Hey, Riderflex, exclamation point. Can I ask you a question? It knows I'm Riderflex. How about that? Wow. That's what I'm saying. Right? They, uh, they okay. know who you are thanks to some of that IP uh, intelligence. Uh, wow. All right. Now, you, got, you got my attention now for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's now, fun now, stuff. Now, if we sign up, if we sign up and, and you see Riderflex come through the customer list, can you go over and make sure we get like the best account manager? Oh yeah, I mean, hundred percent. Just you know what you can do. This is this is what's crazy about it. Type in to, to the to the chat experience, right? Okay. That chat bot. Okay. Hey, I need to talk to someone. I need a human. A human's gonna come in. Number one. Number two, if you say, "Hey, I need to talk to Mark Killens," they will tag me into the message, and I'll start chatting with you right away. And I can do that through my mobile phone. Wow. I have conversations, Steve, with people um, through my mobile phone on the weekends because like your buyers don't wait. Buyers buy at all times that's the other reason why you have to use conversational marketing your website like you said you're spending a ton of money on it you're spending a ton of money ton of money on marketing and trying to generate interest and demand you need your website to be top performing today and if that means you're going to take a message from someone on the weekend or at night then you should do that <laughs> mm, love it love it okay i love it all right very good excellent uh i definitely am going to try it out and talk to scott my partner about it right away okay very good um, if it can increase business for us, especially in, in today's world, when uh, you know, the, the week we're recording this podcast, it seems like business is almost at a standstill. But uh, yeah, if it can help, uh, by all means, we'll definitely try it. Okay, great. Um, let me do this. I know I've already kept you on the phone here for over a half hour. Um, can I ask you a few questions? You know, at, on the RiderFlex podcast, we give out a lot of career advice, job interviewing tips. That's a huge piece of our show. You've already had even, and you're still a young man and you've already had a great career so far, still a long way to go. You'll probably be a CMO somewhere and then I'm going to re-interview you. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but you've it. already been super successful and you, 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 enter, you supervise a lot of people. You've interviewed and hired a lot of people already early in your career. So I want to ask you a couple of questions around interviewing if I can. Um, what are some common mistakes you see candidates make coming in for job interviews? In, in today's world. Can you highlight a couple for me? Absolutely. Uh, number one, preparation. Right. <laughs> preparation. So for HubSpot, I built a blog for the first three months before I applied, writing three times a week on that blog to show them how much I cared about inbound marketing and, and the content process behind it. I researched everyone who I was interviewing with for, for minimum an hour. I had a plethora of notes, researched the company. Um, it, was, it was amazing. And, and number one, and number one, not number one, but like a, a fun fact about that is when I went for my final interview, uh, the CEO, Brian Halligan, was still doing interviews. He was the final interview at that time because the company was still small. Right. He came in and said, all right, what questions do you have for me? He did not ask me one question. He literally said, what questions do you have for me? And it went on for half an hour. Luckily, I had 30 questions you know, already written down. And that's how that interview went. Great. I mean, you know, let's just take a pause there. I know the listeners of the RiderFlex podcast have heard me talk about both things you mentioned, preparation and having questions ready. I've done so many episodes on both of those. 
I love it when a guest comes on and confirms what I've been screaming about for the last couple of years. Yeah, if you aren't, if you don't prepare, not only by studying the company or maybe doing blogs or studying the profiles of the people you're going to be interviewing with, studying the company website, the mission statement, the values, all of it, like you have got to prepare. I'm so blown away, Mark, by the number of candidates, candidates that just don't prepare. It just, I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I agree. I, I just can't believe it. And, and then, you know, I've said this to as well before I'll say, so what questions do you have for me? Oh, I, I don't really have any. I mean, as soon as they say that, it, it, that's it. It's over. They're not getting hired. A hundred percent, which, which is related Steve to, um, the other thing I look for, and it's, it's, you, you can't fake this. I mean, I've seen a couple people fake it in my thousands of interviews I've done, yeah. but it's passion. Right. Exactly. Right. And then we talked about that earlier. Why, as you were, as you were telling us about drift, you can feel the passion. Yeah. They, they have to want to work there. There's gotta be an emotional connection and they gotta do their homework. They gotta have questions ready. I mean, just basic stuff. I know sometimes when we do the daily tips on the Rider Flex podcast, people are probably thinking, Oh, well, yeah, that's a no brainer. Doesn't everybody do that? And the answer is no, they don't. <laughs> they just don't. <laughs> it kills me. I agree. Uh, I think a pro move, and I'm sure you've talked about this as well with, with your audience and other guests is can the person, um, can the candidates, I should say, yeah. make the interviews feel like a conversation? Yes. Right. People skills, EQ. I always say yeah. that as well. Like I say, I'm, I'm super happy that you went to Harvard and you got a high IQ, but if you don't have any people skills whatsoever and you can't have a conversation with other human beings, I'm not interested. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you're a code, like you write code all day with your head down and you're on a keyboard and you don't have to talk to a human, I, human, I guess it's okay if you don't have EQ, but anyway, um, how about this? Do you have a, a favorite question or two that you like to ask? Oh yeah, I got many favorite questions. Oh yeah, so one of my favorite questions that people seem to really like, and it doesn't come up, it sounds like a lot, um, is, is three parts. Tell me about one of your personal principles or values that you live your life by every day. Who taught it to you? I like it. And how does it impact you on a daily basis? Oh man, that's pretty deep. I like that, that's good. That's good. Let me guess. Most candidates go, oh, shit. They kind of take a pause and they're like, damn, that's a tough one. <laughs> I get so many different responses. Um, some people, you know, take time and they have to think about it. And that's fine. And, and some people give me very thoughtful answers. Some people take time and they don't have anything good. And so they don't actually, you know, they don't live their life from like a principle-based standpoint, which is interesting mm. to me. Mm -hmm. Some people know it and they know it strongly. And I get excited by that. And some people have deep meaning behind it. Other people don't have deep meaning behind it. Um, but then it's really like the key to that, just like a good interviewer would, um, is, is to um, ask the right follow-on question. Yes. The crazy thing, Steve, is no one. I don't actually, I don't want to say no one. It's not probably an absolute. And I hate saying absolutes. Yeah. Maybe one or two people. I can't remember very many at all. No one has asked, asked me that question back, which is insane to me. I would just fire that right back at the interviewer and ask them right back yes. that question. Yes, yes. You know, isn't it true? And I, that's another great tip for the listeners. When you're on a job interview, 
Yes, you are selling yourself. Yes, they are trying to get information out of you. And it is lopsided, if you will, to where you're doing a lot of the talking to, to talk about yourself. But don't forget, it's still an emotional human to human conversation. And the other person is waiting for you to ask some questions about them too, right? Like show some emotions, show some empathy, say something, notice a picture on their desk, ask them about you know, I don't know, uh, 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 a banner they have on their office wall of a sports team, whatever, you need to ask some questions or, or say something like, hey, John, by the way, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile that you were also part of this organization. You know, that's really cool, blah, 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 whatever. Do something to let the other person know that you care about them too. Don't let the interview just be completely one-sided. <laughs> oh, yeah, so important. It really is. Um, let me ask you this. I know we're, we're almost out of time. I, wanna, I do have a final question I want to save till the end. But before that, before the final question, because we're in the middle of this coronavirus a crazy world and a lot of people working from home, a lot of people trying to work remotely right now, can I ask you, what's your opinion of remote work in general? What's your opinion of it as it stands today? And where do you see society heading with regards to that? What's your opinion? I think it's a good thing overall. I, and I think the world is going to be moving more and more that in that direction. So for example, HubSpot, when I started, no remote work at all. Right. When I left the global company, 10 offices, I was doing calls with people in um, France, in Japan. Uh, I was working more remotely, um, not as much because I was leading a pretty big team, um, but it, it, it was really helpful from a recruiting standpoint, from a talent um, discoverability and acquisition standpoint. Yes. Um, so Drift is leaning hard into it as well. Like we're all remote now, obviously. So right. what we feel is important is having um, rituals. David Cancel, our CEO, believes so strongly in company rituals. And I love this. So for example, at Drift, we have a Monday meeting, all hands, a Friday meeting, all hands, Monday metrics is called Friday show and tell. Oh, I and like even it. Even though we're remote, we are still, there's 350 people on Zoom dialing in or, you know, I guess, video conferencing into those meetings. And the, the chat pane is blowing up. Um, there's the presenters presenting um, across the company at these meetings still. Um, they're amazing. And I think as long as you have a culture and leadership that allows remote work to happen and you set the right expectations and have the right cultural principles, for example, it, it's really a good thing. I will say though, I am a big believer in FaceTime as well. So for me, I'm, I'm a guy who likes to have both. I like to have, be remote and FaceTime. Yeah. Um, I know people that work at fully remote companies and they come together once, maybe twice a year, and, and that's fine. Um, so the short answer is we're going to be seeing a lot more of it. Uh, I think things like drift, um, can help because it's all about starting conversations and building relationships. So using video, using messaging, using communication channels that we use in our daily lives to, to facilitate the remote work culture can really help, uh, lean into it. Uh, I think there's gonna be more education about how to do it better. Um, from all levels of an organization, like how the CEO down to an employee can be better at remote working. Um, 
but it's not going any place. And like I said before, we're going into this digital knowledge-based economy. And to do that, you're going to have to embrace remote work. Yeah. So that's a great summary. And I agree with just about everything you said there. And I'm not just saying that because you're a guest and I've done lots of episodes on this, on this podcast about it. Um, I'll just add in there. I'll go even a little further to say, I think there's a future where you're actually like, I just, this is going to sound a little out there, (laughs) but I think, you know, 40, 50 years from now, 30 years from now, like if you're driving in, polluting, polluting the planet, driving in just to get into a building and open a laptop when you don't have to, I think that'll actually be looked down on. I think people will actually say, what are you doing, bro? Don't be Mm -hmm. clogging up the highway. If you don't have to, like, what are you doing? Like, don't, don't be doing, I I think it's actually going to lean that far eventually. Um, And I think we'll look back and we'll see all these high rise buildings that got converted into apartments and we'll look at them and go, you mean people used to go to those and sit in cubicles and punch keys on a keyboard? Like what, why were we doing that? (laughs) I think it'll eventually go there. Now I do agree that, that, that human interaction, you know, uh, face to face standing next to another human and now all of that interaction I do think we, we need that and we'll always need that. That's why, you know, um, if uh, they put somebody uh, uh, in solitary confinement in prison, it's the worst thing they can do to them because we want to be around other humans, right? So we have to have that. So I think there will be a combination of what you just said. It'll probably be a lot more remote work with, with facilities and buildings that, that where, where groups can come together and interact for a day or whether that's once a week, once a month, once a quarter, once a year, and they interact and they do their thing. Maybe it's not always a conference where everybody's just hanging out and having a good time and drinking at night and partying, but maybe it's actually like, hey, this, uh, you know, this day a month, we're going to work together as a unit or we're going to get together. I think it'll be something like you said. It'll be a combo of some kind. But to, to, to wrap up what I'm saying, people driving every day into a building to punch keys on a laptop that's going away. I, I really feel like that will go away faster now, even uh, mm-hmm. because of what's happened with coronavirus. But no, I um, agree with you. I agree. I think that's we could have a whole other episode on community, which is part of my job description. And I think right? the, the rise of micro communities um, in the physical world are going to just rapidly grow now. Agreed. Totally agree. Yeah, we could do another pod. We, matter of fact, you should come back on the show. We should probably just talk about that. One last question. I know we're just about out of time. You've been a great guest so far. Thank you so much for sharing course, everything. One last question. This, this is um, very similar to the question you ask in, in interviews. Maybe it's worded a little different, but it's damn close. I, always, I usually ask this question to all of the guests at the end of the show. If you had to put Mark's core purpose... I call it core purpose. If you had to put your core purpose in life into a sentence, but I challenged you to, to hold it, uh, to hold back the family response, like your, your, your brand new son and your, your beautiful wife and try not to plug family into this. Let's call it the professional core purpose, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you had to put that into a sentence, what would yours be? Oh, so I already know the answer and you're going to not, you're not going to be able to probably ask me a ton of stuff about it for a time, but it's to change the way the world views money. Ooh. Oh, that's another, that's another episode, bro. You got to come back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my pleasure. Uh, uh, yeah, Mark, that's, hey, that's my purpose. 
I, I, I defined that when I was actually 20 years old. There's a huge story behind that, but it's a change wow. the way the world views money. Oh, we could go deep on that. Oh boy. All right. That's a good one. Mark, thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Um, we'll be in touch. I'll send you uh, some stuff. You can take a look at it before we launch. Okay. Hey, thank you, Steve. Thank you, everyone. It was my pleasure. All right. Have a good one. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. The Rider Flex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.